Hey, we're on a series called Life on Mission, and we've been doing this um, for the last couple weeks. And last week, we handed out these canvases, and i um, excited to do something like this. We know this has been kind of a hot thing lately for people to go and paint and do stuff like this. So we said, let's jump in on that, and we asked everybody. We handed almost 500 of these out um, last week. We have a few left, so if you weren't here last week, make sure you grab one before you leave today. We have a few in the lobby, but we asked for you to take these and to write on them, draw on them, draw a picture, fix stick figures, a verse, a poem, whatever you want to write, simple, um, complex, whatever it is that God leads you to, of what is happening with you during this series. What has changed in your, what are you excited about? What's going on in you? What are you learning about this series? So this is a blank one. We want you to um, put, fill this up. And then in the next couple weeks, bring them back. Within the next few weeks, bring them back to us. And we're going to display them um, up here and excited for everybody to see them. You don't have to put your name on it. Um, so no one will know which one's yours. But we'll have some examples of what it can look like. This is one that I took home and worked on this week. So I drew a door on the side. And then part of the poem that I read a couple weeks ago. Now, first hour, somebody said, don't lie to us, you're in church. You didn't do that. <laughs> I said, no, I did. I really, I, my feelings were hurt, actually. I said, oh, I really did do, my daughter, my oldest daughter helped. She didn't do it for me. No, see, stop. She didn't, she had not, she did not do any of this for me, but she told me how I can make this happen. So she guided me along the way. So this is also then Ruby, my youngest daughter, did this one. She drew a candle, and then she also wrote on the side, shine your light wherever you go, which is what they're learning in the kids' classes um, as a part of this. So she did great. Someone from our worship team brought um, theirs in. This is a, a tree that they drew on that. And then their daughter did, make sure it's right set up, did another tree like that and then their other daughter did this one um, so it gives you gives you the example of what these can look like across the board all right so this one's perfect this one's just right for for others that want to spend that much time on it um, it is great so please um, spend, think about that pick one of those up and participate in this with us we're talking about serving today how we serve each other. And I want to point out something in your bulletin. If you have that, there's an announcement in there. Um, Greg Grauer, who's been a part of our church for longer than I've been here, over 15 years, and has been on our leadership team for the majority of those. Uh, and we are making a proposal today, and he is accepted to join us on our um, eldership team. And so you can read about how that process looks in there. And we're excited to have him step up into that role and be um, serving through that role as a leader. So we're excited about that service. We're also excited about what happened a few weeks ago. We had a group of guys from Crestview go down to a place called Cooks and Hills on a little missions trip. So Nick, if you'd make your way up here, I want to talk to Nick a little bit about how that trip went, what they did, and want you guys to get kind of caught up on what we did during that time period. So this is Nick. He, he, I said first hour that he led this team. He goes, well, no, not really. I said, no, you did. You got him there and back safely. Um, and so this was a good thing. So we went down to Cooks and Hills. It's an organization and a ministry that we support as Crestview. And we sent a few guys down there to do a project with them. So what did you learn about Cookson when you were there? Just give everybody an idea of this organization and what they do. Yeah, so about Cookson, um, it's a great place for kids who are at risk or what they consider at risk. It's a K-12 through uh, 12 school. 
and the kids go there and they live there full time and they also um, go out in the community so it's not just, you know, they're not isolated, but um, they kind of have their own bubble. They've got, it was really incredible to see their whole facility. They've got a grocery store where, pe- where people live there um, actually work. They've got a little mechanic shop. They've got a bunch of other things that the kids like to do. I mean, they involve the kids in these things. So they teach them about doing mechanics or some kids will work in the grocery store, mm-hmm. however that is. And it's, it's a really good way for them to be with these kids full time and teach them about God and how to live the right way. It's awesome. This is in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Um, it's a big facility. Just south of Kansas, Oklahoma. Just south of Kansas, Oklahoma, actually. That's right. Um, and it is. Uh, at-risk kids from across the United States that need a place to go and live for a few years and kind of get their life back together. And these people, um, house parents, take care of them, help them, teach them. And the goal is to get them back out into society. And we have been a um, supporter of theirs. And so we sent some guys down. So what did you guys do while you were there? Uh, we broke stuff, I guess. We <laughs> you broke stuff. <laughs> we you were a uh, demolition crew. Um, they asked us to pull a bunch of tile down. Um, so we did that. We tore a bunch of tile off the floors. We tore down some center block walls. And uh, so we got to swing some sledgehammers and accidentally broke a toilet and did some other stuff. <laughs> Uh, there was a lot of work done, though. Uh, what was this building that you were working on for them? So this was their uh, gymnasium kind of rec center okay. facility, and we worked on the main entry area. There was 1,500 square feet of tile that we pulled up and ground the floors, and they yeah. wanted to stain it potentially, but it was a lot of work. So so they've got a, pr- a plan for it, but someone had to come in and get it to the Absolutely. point that you guys got it to, and um, a lot of... Not didn't take as many brains as it did bronze, huh? Well, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> we sold that crew. <laughs> Um, no, and that's an awesome thing. So not only that, was it something that you did while you were there, but your mission was different than just um, demolition. There was a different mission for that. How did you serve Cookson while you were there? That's a good question. Um, we, you know, I think the way we served as Christians um, in that manner was that we just did what was asked of us. I um, mean, we did it with a smile on our face, and we tried to mm-hmm. tried to be... Um, as positive as we could, doing what we were doing. And um, it was really great to serve with these guys. Um, we didn't go down to preach the gospel. It didn't look anything like that. We just went down to do God's work. And there was a need and a call, and we did it. So that was what, how it looked. Awesome. I do have to tell you guys, as a church, um, I talked to Heath Hostetler, who was the director of Cooks and Hills, the week after our team went down, and called him up and said, Hey, give me a report, how our boys do, um, how they represent Crestview. And he said he, he was flabbergasted by what they had done. Um, very proud of them and um, over the top. I think it's one of the words that he said. They went above and beyond and did everything that he had asked them to do while at the same time they didn't complain about the tools that they had to do it or the job that they, he had given them to do. He said that doesn't happen with usual mission teams or teams that come in. And he said he was highly impressed with the group that came down from Crestview because they did everything that was asked and they did it with a positive attitude. So church, I think we can be proud of these guys. So let them know that. You bet. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm excited about that because it's, it goes along with what we're doing, our mission. What, what are we on? Because it's not then just the church that does this. And we can't just rely on the church and a group and how is the church doing that? And is the church going to feed the hungry? And is the church going to take care of each other, other people? Is the church going to provide for? No, it, it shifts gears then to you. 
Maybe you weren't on this trip. Maybe you haven't worked with an organization in town, but what can you do? What have you done? And I believe that serving then for us individually is a byproduct of our mission, a byproduct of what we believe and why we believe it, then we go in and serve. And we do that. Jesus, I know this, Jesus came into this world to seek and save the lost. That's what he tells us. His goal was to seek people that didn't know him, that didn't trust in him, that didn't believe in him. His goal was to seek them out and to save them, which is a big mission of ours as well. But I also see this. This is how Jesus did it. Jesus, he was seeking these people out by going and being with them. He was serving them. He, he lived among the people. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He befriended the lonely. He walked among them, comforted those that had fallen. He had a message to share with them, and he shared it by the life that he lived while he was here. Now, remember as well, he was also not afraid to tell them, hey, get it together, right? Stop sinning. He was also not afraid to tell them, come on, follow, you've got to obey this. Come on, you've got to step it up. He wasn't afraid to preach his message and to tell them what they needed to hear, but he did it by serving them first, by being a part of them and living with them. And I believe that we have to get that priority in order. We have to understand this. And it's very important for us to know that we've got to use our words There comes a point where we have to verbally speak the message of Christ to somebody. We have to tell them. They have to hear it with their ears. We have to say it with our mouths what we believe, why we believe it, so that they can come to that. We have to challenge them to repentance. We have to challenge them to grow in their faith. That comes through what we say to them. They have to be able to hear it. They have to be able to say it as well. But in order to get to that point, what do we do? Because that's the scary part, I think, to me, and maybe to many of you, like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say. Well, let's worry about that when we get there. How do we even get to that point first? We first have to get to the point where they will want to hear us. And I believe that comes through serving them. Jesus said it as well. They will know that you are my disciples. They'll know, the people that are lost, they'll know who you are, that you're a disciple of mine, by how you love each other how you serve each other, by how you serve them. Now, our goal is to reach them. Our goal is to tell others about Jesus, people that don't know. If you don't know, my goal is to help you understand who Jesus is. But my goal is to do that by serving you, by being a servant to you first and foremost. So I want to tell you the story. This is in Matthew chapter 25. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn there and follow with me. If you don't have a Bible, there's one on either table on either side of the room. Or if you have your phone, get your phone out to turn to your Bible app on that. Um, I don't know if you know this about Crestview on the Bible app. If you have that on their phone, you can go to your settings and you can go to um, events. And on the events, there's usually a place there that follows along with what we're doing. And you can follow along um, with that there. Get your, get your Bible open. I want to share this passage with you. I believe that this passage in Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to be starting in verse 31, might be, and this is coming from your pastor, this might be one of the most misunderstood scriptures in the Bible. Or a scripture, a passage that sometimes is taken in reverse order, and we, can't, we don't always understand it properly or the way it's supposed to. So if you go into this passage, and with mine, the heading at the top of this, verse 31, it says, the final judgment. So if I walk into this passage thinking this is all about judgment, this is all about salvation or not being saved, I'm going to get the wrong view of what Jesus is trying to teach to us here. 
we have to go into it with that same order that I just talked about. In order for us, for me to go and talk to somebody about Jesus, I think I first have to earn that right to be able to talk to them, which is becoming a servant. In this passage as well, before we come to the point of salvation and what it means, the final judgment, we have to understand this, and it's not just taking one passage out of Scripture and and reading it all by itself, it's reading all of Scripture together and understanding it in a complete whole. And if we understand it in a complete whole, we're going to see a difference here. We're going to understand that I'm a follower of his first, then a servant, I don't serve first and then become a follower of Jesus. I follow first and then I become a servant. So go into it with this idea and then I think it'll make more sense. Let's read it. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him, sorry, and before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from another, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. All right, let's stop there for a second. And this isn't new to us. Oftentimes throughout scripture, we are also referred to as sheep because Jesus is a shepherd, we're sheep, we're followers, and we're understood that way. We want to follow not, it seems odd, right? That somebody has to separate them out. If they get mixed together, you have to understand which ones are sheep, which ones are goats. How do we separate that out? We're known throughout scripture as sheep because sheep need a shepherd, Sheep need someone to follow. Sheep need someone to teach them what to do, how to get there, how to survive. So here is our shepherd bringing us in and separating us. Now, understand this, right? We're sheep first. We're followers first before he gets into the rest of the passage. He doesn't get into the rest of the passage of being a servant first. Then he decides which ones are the sheep and which ones aren't. If you're a follower of his... He puts you on the right. If you're not a follower of his, he puts you on the left. And then he goes into the passage. And this is what he says. Then the king is verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, the righteous, the ones he's talking to, shot back and said, well, wait a minute. We didn't, we didn't know that was you. We were just doing that stuff, right? We didn't see you sick. We didn't see you naked. We didn't see you thirsty. We didn't see you as a stranger. We just did that stuff. And Jesus says, verse 40, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, I like this about Jesus when he teaches. He just doesn't leave us hanging there with that. That could be enough, or we could complete the story ourselves if we wanted to. But he doesn't leave it hanging. He doesn't leave it up to our imagination. He comes back around and gives us the complete story with just the same amount of detail. Then he says to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they said the same thing. Whoa, wait a minute. Dude, if we would have known it was you, we would have done something. If we would have known, I didn't know it was you. We didn't see you sick or hungry or needing clothes or in prison. We didn't notice. And he answers them, verse 45, truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these you did not do to me. 
And these will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now you can see where, are you correct? You can see this. If we read it backwards, we can see where, hey, all you have to do is be a good servant. If you're a good servant, if you serve other people, if you notice when people need something and you do that for them, then you've got it made. Then you're going to make it to heaven. God's going to put you on the right side. In that final judgment, salvation comes to you. I was actually at a funeral um, not too long ago. I wasn't the one performing that. I wasn't the one officiating that funeral. I was out in the audience. And the pastor got up and talked on this passage, read this passage, and then talked about the person that had passed away. And I kept waiting for it to come out. I kept waiting for him to say, you know, salvation comes by what you believe. And he said, because they were such a great servant, we know that they're in heaven. And I wanted to stand up right where I was at and say, no, come on, tell them the truth. These people need to hear, that's not how you get there. This passage is not about salvation. Understand this. This passage that we just read is about serving. It's about serving each other and how important it is to serve each other. So here's how I break it down. Here's how I saw this. Um, I think we need to get to this understanding when we, when we break down this passage, when you look at it. First of all, their motives. The people that were serving, their motives was service, not salvation. The motive behind their heart, what they wanted to do was to serve each other. It wasn't to get something in return. They didn't even know the stakes. They didn't know what was going to happen one way or the other. If they would have known what was at stake, maybe they would have done it more. But that wasn't their end goal. Their end goal was just to serve other people. I believe that Jesus did this for us. I think he added the salvation piece to show us how, how important this is. To say, guys, listen, the weight of this is so important. It's so important that you serve each other that I'm going to talk about salvation with it. That's how important it is that we need to serve each other, that we need to serve those who don't know. And, and to me, as I see this, it's a sign of what we believe because he brought them in as sheep and goats. They were already a follower or not. He didn't change what they were afterwards. They had already made a choice to follow Jesus or not before the judgment came. He was just showing the end result, what comes because of that. I believe it's a sign of what you believe. So I noticed this as well. You guys are smart enough to know as well. You don't have to be a Christian to serve. You don't have to be a church goer. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to serve other people. It happens all the time. People all over the world serve out of the goodness of their heart because it's kind and we want to be nice to each other or we want something in return. Whatever the case might be, whatever your motives are, you don't have to be a follower to serve, but you have to be a servant if you are a follower. And I think that's the difference. I noticed this as well as I was reading through this passage and letting it set on me all week. Maybe you caught on. The people that were serving, they didn't even know, or sorry, they knew they were serving. Say it again. The people that were serving, they knew they were serving. It, it was a choice that they were making. It was a conscious decision. I'm going to serve these people. There's somebody in need. I'm going to give them 
what they need. There's somebody that's thirsty. I'm going to give them a drink. There's somebody that needs some clothes. I'm going to give them some clothes. They sought it out. They were looking for a way to serve, and they stepped up and they served somebody. They saw somebody in prison, and they went to visit them. It was on purpose. There was a mission that was there. It was not accidental. And I noticed this as well. They didn't care who it was. They didn't care. I don't care what you've done in life. I don't care where you're at in life. I still want to serve you. That's what they were saying. You're in prison. That means you've done, you've done something wrong. You've done something wrong. You're probably a sinner, right? So we're all in that boat. It doesn't matter. I want to serve you. So here's my challenge for you this week. This is what I want you to hear. Um, I want you to answer this question. What's your motive? Because I believe all of you at some level serve somebody. You're a servant to somebody. What's your motive when you do that? Why do you do that? Check your heart as you serve other people. Check your heart. What, what is going on in your heart when you serve somebody? Is it because you just, because you want to? Because you're supposed to? Because you're going to get something in return? What's the reason behind serving? Peter Ustinov, he said it this way, charity is more common than compassion. Charity is more common than compassion. We see charity all the time. Charity happens. Hey, I've got this box of clothes. I'm, I'm going to throw them away. So I might as well give them to somebody, right? I might as well, oh, can I get a um, tax deductible receipt with that as well? That's charity, right? I, I get something in return. Somebody says, wow, great. Look what you did. That was so awesome. You're such a good person. Charity, to get something in return. Compassion? And I believe that's why these people were serving, the people that Jesus talked about, the sheep. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes time. I believe it takes a little bit of a sacrifice. It's not just off the top extra. It's, wow, those people need something. And I'm going to have to take a little bit away from me in order to help them. Whether it's my time, my energy, my resources, I'm going to have to do something extra to get there. That means there's something pure in your heart about that. You're thinking about them. You're looking for opportunities to serve somebody. Where's your motive? Where's your heart in doing that? And then do this as well. I think it leads into this. Be proactive with it. Be proactive. Don't just sit around and wait for someone else to come up with something to do. What are you noticing? Have you asked your neighbors? Do you have friends that are in need? Have you listened to them long enough to understand what it is that they need so that you can help them? George Bernard Shaw said it this way one time. He said, the worst sin that we can commit is not to hate somebody. It's to be indifferent to them. Now, hate is a bad thing, right? And Jesus teaches us you shouldn't hate anybody. Don't hate. That's not the right thing. Some people don't even use that word in their house. Don't hate. Don't even use the word. But what's worse than that is to be indifferent. Because I don't even care about you. I don't even have enough emotion to hate you, right? I just, I don't even care what happens to you. That's even worse. Where, where's our motive? And are we proactively searching people out to say, I can serve you? What's going on in your life? Am I paying attention enough to the words they're saying so that I know how to step in and ser serve them as we go along? Because that's my mission. Because that's my goal. Not just to serve them, though. It's because I have a message. 
I have something I need to tell them. And if I believe in what I believe strong enough, I don't want anybody to not know about the love of Christ. So my mission ultimately is to say, you need to hear about Jesus and what he's done for you. I'm going to do that by serving you because I'm on a mission to tell others about Jesus. And my first step is to tell them by how I live my life, by how I serve them, by how I show them. Ralph Walder Emerson once said it this way, and this is a quote that has affected my life for the majority of my life. Um, He said it this way, what you are speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. All right, let, let that one set a little bit. I've heard it put in many different ways. What you are screams so loud in my eyes, I can't hear what you're saying. What you are speaks so loud, I can't, I, I can't even hear you. How are we showing that to others? Now, I did this as well. Um, a few weeks ago, I stood up here, and that's kind of my canvas, what I did with that. I read a poem, and I said this poem has been affecting my life, and it's been important to me, and it's one that has challenged me. It's becoming one of my favorite poems, and so I read it to you. It's a long poem, and one of the services, I stood up here, and as I was rambling, I said, I, I might want to try and get this poem framed sometime and hang it up in my office. I think that'd be cool, but it was a long poem. I wasn't sure how I was going to get it done. And so I just mentioned it and I kind of let it go and thought maybe someday that might happen. Well, that very week, um, somebody in our church, I'm grateful for this, took that poem, printed it out for me, put it in a frame and gave it to me. I hung it up in my office that day. So I took a picture of it. It's the one on the left there and hung it up in my office. And it's where I can see it from my desk. I see it when I walk in and out of my office door. Um, And so that poem is there, but I want you to notice something else. It's hanging by something else. It's also pretty important to me. And no, it's not the Kansas City Royals pennant um, down in the bottom corner that you see, although that is, was a very important time in my life as well. Um, There is another framed poem um, that has been my favorite for years and will continue to be. It's one that has impacted my life in a a huge way. Um, And I've shared it often before. I'll probably share it often in here again. But it's a poem called um, The Sermon That You See. And it's written by Edgar Guest. And he, he wrote it this way. He said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one walk with me than merely show the way. For the eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Good counsel is confusing, but an example is always clear. And best of all the preachers, the men that live their creeds, for to see good put into action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very fine and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding in how you act and how you live. So we've got a message to share with people. Verbally, we've got to tell them. But first you have to show them so that they will listen to you. Peter Weinmill, Pete Weinmiller, um, he was... Uh, Senior Vice President for Guest Relations for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he passed away this past week. Um, And I found a quote by him this week that I want to share with you. And the quote is this. He says, people don't remember days. They remember moments. Moments matter. 
you might not go into your day thinking, I'm going to change somebody's day, and you plan this big, extravagant um, service opportunity for someone that you want to serve them somehow, and you're going to change their life by changing you know, everything. Look for a moment that someone needs you. Look for a moment where somebody just needs a little extra help. Pay attention. Be proactive in this. Listen to what they're saying to you. And think about ways that you can serve somebody. And that moment might change their life. That moment might give you the opportunity to share with them who Jesus is. And that will change their eternity. The reason we do this is because of what Jesus did for us. I'm going to ask the guys that are um, getting ready to serve um, communion, if they'd make their way to the back, I'm going to ask the band to come up and get ready. I think this is a, a great opportunity for us to remember what Jesus did for us. The reason that we do this, the reason that we serve, is because we're following, because we're sheep. And we want to follow our shepherd and what he did for us. And in the book of Mark, there's a little story in here about two guys that come to Jesus. And they come to Jesus and they, want to, they have a request. And they say, Jesus, we, we have a request of you. Can we, when we get to heaven, can we set one at your right and one at your left? They were wanting something in return from Jesus. And Jesus comes back and teaches them the lesson. You know, this is very important. I can't decide that. God's going to have to decide that. But the other disciples, they found out, and they said, whoa, guys, what about us? You know, where are we at in this? And Jesus kind of gave them all a lesson by teaching them, yeah, you all have to serve. But here's where he got it. He said this in Mark chapter 10, I'm in verse 42. He said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. For whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Then he turns it to himself and teaches the same lesson to them about himself. And he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The reason we serve because Jesus first served us. He walked among us, he healed, he comforted, he helped, but he became the ultimate servant by giving his life. And the reason we serve is because we want others to know about this. So today, as, as we leave and as we go out and we you know, spend the week among our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, wherever that is, we got to think about who we're serving, but the reason we're doing that is because of what we're getting ready to celebrate. Because we want them to understand what Jesus did for them as well, that he gave his life. It was the ultimate sacrifice. So there's some guys that are going to pass around some trays, and in the trays, a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice that represents um, the body and the blood of Christ as that sacrifice for us. If you're a believer in him, you're welcome to take and our focus should be on what Jesus did for us during this time so that we're motivated to also share that. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm grateful for your son, for the gift of his life, for what he means to us, 
for the example that he set by being the ultimate servant so that when we serve, we remember why we're doing it. And it's just not to make ourselves look good. It's ultimately to bring them to you so that they can see our example, to see your example, to see your love. God, thank you for it. Thank you for your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.